Turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel's a very, uh, it's a very uh, action-packed book. The, you know, the first half is very historical, and then the second half we see a lot of you know, like visions and oracles of you know, prophecy. And I apologize to anyone who is expecting a 12-point a uh, service on the prophecy. But, uh, actually, uh, the Pastor Shaw, and yeah, he's coming. When is that? In January, end of January. January, come back, guys. If you wanted to have a sermon on prophecy, come back in January. I'm going to begin reading in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather the princes and governors and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, own people, nations, and languages, that at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And if you skip to verse 12, it says, there are certain Jews whom, whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor, thy, nor worship thy golden image, which thou hast set up. Let's pray, and I'll begin. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for bringing us all here safely tonight to your house, Lord. I pray that you just uh, speak through me, Lord, to... Uh, everyone in the congregation, and me as well, Lord, I pray that everyone's hearts would be open to service and that we'd all get something out of it and that we'd take it with us throughout the rest of the week. In your name I pray, amen. So in this chapter, we see uh, three Jewish boys who they were in, you know, you could say an uncomfortable situation. And this is no doubt a familiar passage to us that we've probably heard messages preached on before, or if you grew up in church, you probably heard Sunday school lessons on this. And, you know, the context of this passage is pretty well known. But, you know, just to explain it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in captivity in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king at this time, he makes, he has a big statue set up, this big golden image. And so he calls all of the leaders, all the princes and governors and the officials for, to this dedication because it's supposed to be in a big event. <clears throat> and they are instructed that once they hear the assortment, this very... You know, there's quite a few uh, instruments in there that, you know, you know, we wouldn't say they're in our common vernacular. You know, I, and I've heard of a flute and a harp before, but, you know, I don't see uh, any, anyone on the street playing a psaltery. But. So it says, uh, once they hear the, all the, the music, they hear the instruments, they will bow down to the image or else they will face death. But the three Hebrew boys that we see, they refuse to take part in this idol worship. And this obviously angers the king greatly, but he does give them a second chance. But they, the three boys stand firm in their faith, and they, they don't give in. 
So Nebuchadnezzar, in his or fury, orders them to be burned alive in the fiery furnace as a punishment for their disobedience. And although they are tied up and the furnace is seven times hotter than usual, they go in and they come out with you know, no sign, of not one burn, not a singe, nothing. So there are many things we can learn from this passage. You know, we see God's power and, you know, we see how he's sovereign and, you know, perhaps we might see, you know, Nebuchadnezzar's pride in us. But I would like to talk about the loyalty displayed in this chapter in the face of pressure, in the face of opposition, and even in the face of death. The title for this message is Loyalty in Difficulty. The meaning of loyalty is, uh, I looked it up, it says giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person or institution. It says giving or showing a firm support. You know, for something to be firm, it means it needs, can't be moved or changed no matter the circumstances that it's put through. So firstly, the loyalty we see in this chapter, I want us to focus on the loyalty in loneliness, their loyalty in loneliness. Mm -hmm. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were loyal to God, even though they were the only ones to do so. So most of the people at this dedication, they would have been Babylonians. They would have been, you know, Chaldeans. But for context, when Babylon uh, invaded, they, you know, they were looking for, you know, strong Hebrews. They, looked, they wanted the smart ones, intelligent ones, good-looking ones. And so they, picked, they, they went and they picked up Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But, you know... If you think about it, I'm sure there is more than four good-looking Hebrews that they picked up. So, but we see in verse 12 where it says, right. Right. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, there's, there's a reasoning why Daniel wasn't mentioned in this. He wasn't at the dedication, but I won't go into that. But we see that only those three are mentioned. Now, there had to have been other Hebrews that were taken into captivity. And when you think about it, they must have perhaps said, you know, maybe it'll be okay if we just bow. You know, perhaps they just, they wanted to, they're in a new environment, they're trying to fit in, and they just went along with what everyone was doing. There will be many situations in which we have to stand alone for our beliefs. Are we going to be able to stand alone? Are we going to stand strong? Or, you know, are we going to fall and bow the knee to whatever, you know, golden image, if you will, whichever golden image is in front of you? Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he, is, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. This verse reminds us that you know, we're never really alone. You know, we'll have to stand you know, alone for our beliefs sometimes, but we always have God with us. Amen. And there's some, there's some things that we need to remember when we are alone and our loyalty is being tested. First of all, like I mentioned, God is always with us, and he's proud of um, our loyalty. God is pleased when we take a stand for him, and his name is glorified by our testimony when we choose to do right over wrong, no matter the circumstances. We as humans were placed on this earth to glorify God and to praise his name. We are not here to serve man, to please our peers, or to simply fit in. And if our priorities are set in the right place, which is set on God, then it will be easy to stand for our faith even when we are alone. So always remember that, you know, Jesus is, you know, smiling down on you and, you know, everyone else, you know, they're like, what are you doing? You know, God is always proud of you even when men ridicule you for your actions, stand against you for your beliefs, or exclude you for your morals. Alongside that, we know that God will always bless your loyalty. 
Think of, Amen. I like to think of the many characters from the Bible who stood alone for God and were blessed for their efforts. Think of, you know, Elijah or Noah. In, this, in the story of Elijah, when, you know, he goes up on Mount Carmel and he has the big, uh, you know, showdown with the uh, prophets of Baal, when you think about that, Elijah was standing against an entire nation. Because right. Israel at that time, they were not serving the Lord. They were, they were in serving Baal and idolatry. If, you know, Elijah could stand alone in front of the entire kingdom, can't, you know, can't we stand alone in front of our friends, perhaps? And then if you think of the story of Noah, now when you think of Noah, him and his family were the only ones on earth who were, uh, who pleased God. And, you know, Noah, he preached for around like 100 years to the people and no one listened. But think about that. The entire, imagine preaching against the whole earth, just you. That'd be, that's, that's, if that's not alone, I don't know what is. But, you know, Noah did it. And if Noah can stand alone for his beliefs in front of the whole earth, you know, can, can we not do that in front of our family? In Isaiah 119, it says, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. And this reminds us that God will bless our loyalty. It reminds us that we are, if we are willing and obedient to the Lord, he will take care of us and bless us. And in this verse, it says, God promises not only that we shall eat, but we shall eat the good of the land. God has abundant blessings for you. You know, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got so much in store for you. But all he wants is our obedience and willingness to take a stand for him. Our duty as Christians is to live a life that pleases God. And that means standing up and being loyal to God, despite whether or not anyone else will stand with you. God is always with you. And not only is he proud of your willingness, but he will supply your needs. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand firm on their beliefs, though they are the only ones to do so. And we see that their loyalty to God and his commandments is shown not only when they are aware they are alone, but when they are aware of the consequences as well. <clears throat> Secondly, I just want to look at their loyalty in opposition. I'll read, uh, if you skip down to Daniel, uh, still chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, I'll read it. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. When we try to live our lives for Christ, there is going to be opposition. And these three Hebrew boys ran into the opposition in the form of Nebuchadnezzar's commands. When they did not bow before the image, Nebuchadnezzar asked they be brought before him and directly, demand, directly demanded them to bow down when the music started. But, you know, it's important to realize that how um, the Hebrew boys conducted themselves and how they explained why they wouldn't bow. Um, it's they, if you notice, they're not disobeying the king out of, like, a rebellious spirit. They're not merely doing it. They're not disobeying out of a rebellious spirit, mm -hmm. but out of an obedient spirit just towards God. That's right. The king's, you know, commandments, they're direct violation of, you know, God's law bowing down to another image. So they chose not to bow down, but they were respectful in how they uh, explained it. And you know, just because they were in the right, that doesn't make them any better than Nebuchadnezzar. And they were, you know, they weren't, you know, snobby when they said, we're not going to bow down. They didn't tell Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to go to hell for this. You know, you're so, you're, look at how wrong you are. God's going to do, you know, he's going to judge you. But you know, they were respectful in their explanation. 
you know, so perhaps you'll never run into rules that are, you know, directly asking you to commit idolatry, you know. But, you know, what about, maybe not rules, but what about recommendations? You know, we no longer have kings threatening us to worship, worship them, but we might have worldly friends or co-workers recommending sin. And sometimes, unfortunately, you know, it can't, can not only be, you know, worldly friends, but it might be other Christians who are, you know, perhaps, you know, their walk isn't as strong as it should be. You know, perhaps they're just, they're, they, you know, they're not uh, threatening to throw you in a fiery furnace, but they're, you know, they're recommending, hey, you know, come check out this new, this new bar, you know, get in on this gossip, uh, let's go watch this movie. But, you know, when our friend, if we ever run into those recommendations, obviously we should immediately reject it. But, you know, it's important that we keep a good testimony and that we, are not, we don't put on some holier-than-thou sort of uh, perspective. Because Christ, uh, <clears throat> if, we, uh, if we are Christians uh, in that way, if we put on like a prideful mindset, in the eyes of our friends, it may discourage them from, you know, ever accepting Christ. And if we ever try to lead them to the Lord, you know, they'll be like, oh, uh, this, this, you know, this, I don't want to be like them. <clears throat> our loyalty to Christ, though, it can be an example, and it can take part in um, leading those uh, unbelievers to Christ. Like, in, perhaps in the story of Joseph, we see how Potiphar and even Pharaoh could see that the Lord was with him merely because of his actions. Joseph's loyalty to God proclaimed and glorified God's name. I read uh, this story somewhere. It says, years ago, the communist government in China commissioned an author to write a biography of Hudson Taylor with the purpose of distorting the facts and presenting him in a bad light. They wanted to discredit his name and consecrate missionary of the gospel, of this consecrated missionary of the gospel. So they wanted, you know, to make him look bad for the people. They wanted to, you know, spread this, uh, this biography and make him look like a bad person. But it says, as the author was doing his research, he was increasingly impressed by Taylor's saintly character and godly life, and he found it extremely difficult to carry out his assigned task with a clear conscience. Eventually, at the risk of losing his own life, he laid aside his pen, renounced his atheism, and received Jesus as his personal savior. Amen. Whether or not we realize it, our example leaves an impression on others. Right. We see here an example. Hudson Taylor's loyalty to God was his testimony, and it was an example, and it was used to lead some, for someone to be led to the Lord. Unbelievers should see us as servants who are humble and loyal to God, willing to stand for him no matter what. You know, we, not you know, proud Jesus followers who think they're better than everyone, where... where you know, with all our rules and standards. So, you know, whenever there are rules and recommendations standing in our way, it is important we exercise our loyalty to God in a way that firmly states our beliefs, yet keeps a good testimony. My third point is their loyalty in fear. Daniel 3.18 says, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego speaking, but if not, but, it, but be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So Nebuchadnezzar, he did offer the boys a second chance. They didn't bow down. He brought them before, before him. He's like, all right, here's the last chance. You know, he, like, he, 
before, you know, it was kind of like, a, you know, he was on the news, hey, bow down to the statue. Now it's like the king, he's pointing at you, hey, do, like, do this. But they, like I said, they respectfully, but they, they respectfully do it, but they re absolutely just reject his offer. We see uh, Nebuchadnezzar's final threat in verse 15, which I'll read. Um, now if ye be ready, that at that what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. See, that, that, that there is the second chance that he gave them. But as the verse goes on, it says, But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Mm -hmm. So he makes the punishment very clear, and it's definitely a frightening punishment. You know, the fiery furnace mentioned in this uh, passage, it would have been similar to like a big brick building, kind of sort of like a huge oven, if you think about it. So surely the thought of being burned alive, you know, it was terrifying. These Hebrew young boys must have been quite frightened as the king yelled at them in, directly in rage right in front of them. But they did not falter in their beliefs. Amen. There may be times when trusting God causes us to fear. Perhaps the, pa the path God is leading you down leads to your fiery furnace. Now, some in foreign countries may have the experience of actually, you know, genuinely fearing death for Christianity. But here in Canada, we are blessed with freedom. Hence, we will almost never be in the situation these three Jews were in. But perhaps God is calling you somewhere that you fear. Perhaps God wants you to move past one of your fears to serve him. Maybe God is putting you in uncertain times to see if you trust him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. God loves us, and he would never put us in a difficult situation because he wants us to fail, but because he wants us to rely on him. And in times of fear, we can trust in him. <clears throat> we can trust him to help us through those times no matter what. Another verse, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This, this verse reminds us that you know, with God, we have no reason to fear. That's, he did not give us the spirit of fear. God will provide for us and protect us from all harm. At the end of the day, when God gives us, gives us a decision, it'll have to boil down to whether or not we are loyal to God or to our flesh. And when you think about it, it's kind of stupid, really. Who is more trustworthy, you know, a loving father or, you know, the human flesh? You know, who is more reliable, the God who has not changed ever and has been around forever, or, you know, our finite human will? What is, is it logically smarter to trust in what we think is going to happen, or is it perhaps smarter to trust in a God who has your entire life planned out already? In the beginning of verse 7, we see this, this phrase, if it be so. So we can tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not fully certain God would deliver them. Regardless, they trusted in their God, even though it very well seems as if they were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace within 20, 30 minutes, anything like that. <clears throat> while, they were aware if they were un while they were unaware if they will live to tell the tale, you know, they are confident in God's might and his sovereignty, and, his, and they state that if God, the God, they, sorry, they state that the God they serve is capable of delivering them out of the God's hand, out of the king's hand. So there are two things we should remember when it comes to being loyal in fear, in times of doubt. 
First, remember God loves you, and he doesn't intend to hurt you in any way, but merely grow you as a Christian. You know, God loves us, and, you know, he wouldn't, he's not putting you through this fiery furnace just because, you know, he's bored. Oh, look, look at this person down there. You know, their day's going too well. I'm going to send them, I'm going to send down, send something, I'm going to send a storm their way. He only, you know, does these, he only puts us through trials because he loves us and because, you know, he knows we can make it through. Another thing to remember when in t about being loyal in times of fear is remember God is in control of your life and everything surrounding you. You're in his care and you have nothing to worry about so long as you are following his lead. These three Hebrew boys have shown their loyalty against all odds. And, you know, through loneliness, you know, through opposition, through fear, fear of death, you know, they've been threatened, they're alone. And, but they still showed loyalty, but, you know. Obviously, we know what happens uh, in the chap the, the further down a chapter, and I'll read verses 19 to 25. It says, "Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego." It's funny. It says right here, "And the form of his visage." That means the way he looked. That means like you know how in cartoons when they get angry and they turn all red. You know, there's smoke coming out of their ears. I don't think that's what happened, but you, it says here you could tell he was angry. That's right. It says, therefore he spake and, his, and commanded that they would heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their hosen and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame, of the flame of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, or he was astonished, and he rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. And so, you know, it's interesting to see, like, the, you know, this, the furnace was uh, heated. It was so hot that as the men were throwing... Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. That it, the fire was so hot that it burned them up as well. <clears throat> but obviously we see, and we know, we know that God uh, protected them in there. And he says that uh, Nebuchadnezzar saw a fourth person in there. And you know, as most people believe that that's uh, Jesus Christ actually in there protecting them. So you know, obviously in this scene, you know, we see he's, Nebuchadnezzar's angry. So he binds them up, he throws them into the fiery furnace. You know, but when he takes a closer look, Nebuchadnezzar sees that they're just standing there, unfazed, in the scorching and burning flames. Uh, and, they see the four, and he sees this fourth figure, which has the appearance of the Son of God. So the king calls to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they exit the furnace completely unwounded, without the smallest burn or you know, the slightest smell of smoke even. And Nebuchadnezzar is amazed at this, and you know, realizing the power of God, he acknowledges you know, the Hebrew God as all-powerful, 
And we see that God did deliver the Jewish boys from the king. God has promised to take care of all of us throughout the Bible. We see his promises. For instance, uh, in Psalm 56, 11, I read this verse uh, recently in my devotions. It says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Just as the Jewish boys did not fear what the king would do to them, you know, we have no reason to fear what man can do to us. The young men didn't even know whether or not uh, God would protect them or deliver them. And they, didn't, they had no idea how he could or would. But above all this, they trusted God's will and his leading in their lives. We see God's loyalty to his promises. My fourth and final point is God's loyalty to his promises. Just like Psalm 56, 11 says, uh, we can trust in God and we have no reason to fear what men can do to us. And there's countless promises throughout the Bible where God promises to protect us. God will allow things into our lives and put us into scary situations, but nothing ever goes out of his plan and, he, and they are, we are always in his best interest. As Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood in the face of death, God never took his eyes off of them for one second. He watches over us, and he's taking care of us and provides for us, just you know, as the song says, he watches over us just as he does the lowly sparrows, if obviously much more than that. He promises in his word that he will take care of us. We find these promises all over the Bible, and we know that God cannot lie. And God is always just... If we remain loyal to him, God will remain loyal to these promises. We are promised that he will be with us in loneliness, in opposition, and in fear. <clears throat> and we are also promised that our loyalty and service will be rewarded and blessed. To conclude this passage, you know, we see the loyalty of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they're alone. You know, they have to stand for what they believe by themselves. You know, sometimes we might have to do that. We see where there's rules and you know, perhaps recommendations, and they're being told to do something else. But they still stand firm on their beliefs, and they conduct themselves in a godly manner about it. And then finally, we saw them, you know, it's possibly you know, the, hardest, you know, the hardest position you can stand for your beliefs in, and that's in the face of death. But they still trust in the Lord and did that. And then we see God's loyalty to his promises. He promises to always watch over his children and take care of us. God is sovereign and he's in control of every situation you find yourself in. No matter the predicament, you can trust in the Lord and stand for him, and he will take care of you. So next time, I hope, I very much hope that none of you ever have to stand for your faith in the fear of death. But perhaps, you know, within the next couple days, you know, there's going to be, oh, you know, I want to get accepted. I don't want to be left out. You know, we're going to have to stand alone by ourselves. You know, we're going to have to stand alone where it's not, you know, normal. We might be the weirdos. We might be the ones to stand out. But I encourage you to stand for your faith and to be loyal to God no matter the predicament you're in. <clears throat> and just as God promises, he'll bless you, he'll take care of you, and he's always with you.